Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 74 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're going to be talking about training by effort. Now we've talked about this in the past, but we've got some updates to our system. So we want to talk about that today and explain what effort-based training is all about and what the different levels mean as well as why they're so important to incorporate into your training no matter what running level you are. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. So effort-based training, that's the whole topic of the day, the benefit of effort-based training versus training to try and hit specific numbers on a watch. Right. And we've talked about this topic before on lots of different podcasts, um, and we do have some specific episodes even dedicated to this in the past. So if you are interested in listening to some of those past episodes, we will definitely link to those in the show notes. And you can find our show notes over on the website at realliferunnerspodcast.com. This is episode number 74. So we'll link to some of the, the past episodes if you're interested in listening to some of those. But we do have some updates because Kevin and I like to stay up to date on research. We like to read and always be learning. And the old system that we were using was based on the book 80-20 Running by Matt Fitzgerald. And he uses effort levels from one to five. And as we were training more and more athletes, we really found that one to five kind of seemed a little limiting. Because you're perpetually telling somebody to run at a three and a half. Right. So then why not just make (laughs) the scale from one to ten? And then... Because essentially that's what it is if you're using halves. Yes. If you're using halves, it really is one to ten. And then if you want to put in a half, it's really nuanced. Right. Well, and and that's the thing that you and I always talk about. Like, okay, what about this level runner? Like, what about a marathon runner? Are a marathon runner's levels the same as a hundred meter sprinter? Like what are, what are the effort level differences between those two? And right. Cause an easy pace for a hundred meter sprinter is totally different. Right. And, and I mean, things are different and that's part of the beauty of effort-based running and effort-based training is that it is individualized to you. It is based on your perceived effort level. Yes. It's a, it's a total perceived effort. It's not it's not exactly based off of like a level of your heart rate. Right. You can adjust it to, to try and make it match up to levels of heart rate mm-hmm. or to make it match up to different like race distances and stuff like right. that. But it really at its core is just how hard it feels to you on that specific day. Right. And it is a difficult question to answer. I mean, this is like the old pain level scale. You know, when I talk to my patients and I evaluate my patients, that they come in with back pain and I said, okay, well, on a scale of one to 10, how bad is your back pain? They're like, oh, I hate that question. You know, like it's it's a hard question to answer. It's a really hard question to answer. Well, because it makes them think. Yeah. You know, they just like to tell me that they hurt. I don't know. It hurts. It hurts hurts a lot. Well, how? And then they're like, oh, it's a 10 out of 10 with a smile on their face. And I'm like, it's not a 10 out of 10. Like if you, if it was a 10 out of 10, your leg would be chopped off and you would be like squirting blood currently here in front of me. (laughs) Yes. It's not a 10 out of 10. Like the knife is still in my leg. It's a 10 out of 10. If you walked through the door, it's probably not. If you're not crying and able to focus on other things like this conversation, it's not a 10 out of 10. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So um, one of the things in, in making uh, surveys and, and making things for classes at, at one of my like educational talks we had, they talked about making appropriate surveys mm-hmm. when you send them out to a big group. And if it goes one through five, you know, five is I really like this idea. One mm-hmm. is I really don't like this idea. Most people will come back at a three. Yeah. 
which is completely useless information. Yeah. So they said if you're ever making a survey, send it out on levels of one through four mm-hmm. because then they have to choose a side. Mm-hmm. They have to be either for or against it. They yeah. cannot choose completely neutral on the topic. Yeah, it's like the the topic that gives you like completely agree, somewhat agree, yes, completely disagree, you know, somewhat disagree. That's more of what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you need to have you need to be on one side or the other. Yeah. You know, and uh, on a lot of the stuff that you read about um, perceived level of exertion people factor themselves at a different level than than they might think. Mm -hmm. If you say, hey, go off on an easy run, and they come back and they're like, okay, how hard was that? They'll tell you that it was like a three on a scale of one to five. Mm -hmm. That's not on the easy side. That's a medium. A three? Yeah. Like people, if if they just kind of casually go out and run, hey, go out and run your normal pace that you would do on a normal everyday run. Mm A normal everyday run should be an easier pace, and most people run at a three. Mm. That's interesting because a lot of times if I have, you know, elderly people that don't really understand the question of pain scale, I'll ask them, okay, do you have a little bit of pain? Do you have a medium amount of pain, or do you have a lot of pain? And then I'll kind of... Um, based on some more of the information that they tell me, try is it you know a zero through a three, a four to six, or seven to ten? Like that's kind of how I group that's how them. You, you, yeah. you bunch them up on there. Yeah. So, but you're saying that a three is harder than easy. A three is harder than easy. Well, yeah. I mean, if, it is. If you if you look one through five. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, we're talking on five. Yeah. If you oh, if okay. you look no, if you look one through five, three smack in the middle. Yes. And that's yes. where people go. They're like, oh yeah, no, it's my easy pace. It's a three. Sorry. No, it's, I thought we were talking about one to ten. Oh, uh, that's that's why both of us agree that one to ten yeah. makes a whole heck of a lot more sense. Right. And that's what we're going to be transitioning all of our coaching clients over to and ourselves over to. The other thing that I think is important to note um, before we get into this is that perceived effort level is different than how you feel. And this is also part of why we're transitioning over to the one to 10 scale versus the one to five scale. We use a, a coaching program called Final Surge. And in each run, after the athlete completes the run, they can go into the app and they can rate how they felt during that run, which is super useful information for us as coaches. So if you're one of our clients and you do that, thank you. We love you. Um, and, you know, so they, it, it asks them, okay, how did this run, how did you feel on this run? Like your perceived effort level. And then, uh, sorry, it's two different things. One yeah. is your perceived effort level, and the second is how did you feel? Yes. So Two very different questions. Very different questions and so super helpful because a run can be hard as heck where you put it at like a seven or an eight effort level, but you could still feel good doing that. Yes. Like that doesn't necessarily mean it felt bad. Yeah. Like, like you could every... still feel strong, but it's still, I mean, yes. you knew you worked. Yes, I felt strong. I'm yeah. glad that I felt good because otherwise there's no way I could have been operating on an eight. Yeah. It's kind True. of where, where it's at. That's true. So the, those definitely are different things. Like how you felt and then your perceived effort are two separate things because there are days that, you know, you're going out at an easy pace and it feels a lot harder. And we're going to get in, into some of the, the nuances of that. In, in this episode yeah. as well. I mean, that's a whole, the whole thing that we're going yeah. at here. All right. All right. So, so th- what is effort-based training? Let's just yes. go with the Let's the go basics. all the way back. Yeah. Okay. So effort-based training 
is is designed to find all these different effort levels and vary your training from easy days to medium days mm-hmm. to hard days right. instead of having every day be the same distance at the same pace. Right. And the the book that we referred to earlier, the 80-20 running, is very scientific-based. And it's interesting to look back at some of our old training plans as well, both with like the training plans that you made for me and then previous previous athletes. We look back on my half marathon training plan from like a year ago. Yes. And you were very specific with how much, like breaking down the percentage to make sure that I was getting 80% easy and 20% hard. So we'd look back into my speed runs and it was like, you know, 2.75 miles of tempo run and, you know. And then it would get adjusted. Like I remember remember doing this with yours. It was because, you know, life comes up and it's like, oh, well, I didn't have time to get in six that day. So I only got in five. And I'm like, okay, well, then you should tweak the speed and change it to this. Mm -hmm. You know, I had just finished reading this book or was in the process of it. And that was what was directly in front of me. Mm -hmm. You know, I've I've looked at a lot of different training stuff and, and read a lot of things had a bunch of different training mentors and have all this different information coming in. But that was the one that was forefront in my mind. Right. And so after sort of digesting it, like I still know it and I mm-hmm. still kind of have that there. Well, we, and we still incorporate it. Completely still yeah. incorporate it. I'm, I'm just not down to the tenths of a percent at this mm-hmm. point. Right, right. It's like the, the whole thing. You, you take the information and then you interpret it and make it your own. Yes. You know, and it's, and that changes with each athlete as well. It completely changes with each yeah. athlete. And then I think, you know, the whole 80-20, yes, that's great for optimizing people that they're already at a certain level of athleticism. But if you're kind of building up your mileage, mm-hmm. you have to be careful adding the intensity well, and also. A, and it's a good guideline. Yes. You know, and that's what it should be. It's a guideline and not necessarily a dogma. Yes. Ooh, guidelines versus dogmas. Ooh. <laughs> woof, woof. What? <laughs> Dogmas. I know. Okay. All right. So what are some of the benefits of effort-based workouts? Okay. So the best the best part of an effort-based workout is it takes into account everything else besides just running. Right. It takes into account the temperature. Right. The, it's going to be a lot rain, harder. The wind. Right. The temperature. Like it's going to be a lot harder at 90 degrees with 90% humidity versus 50 degrees with... 30% humidity. Yeah, or negative 40. Yeah. You know, I don't even know what that is. Like, I don't either. You, just go back inside. I know. <laughs> I know tread, a treadmill is awful, but go back inside. Yeah. We had an episode that tells you some fun workouts to do. Just right. Google fun workouts to do. <laughs> if, if you don't even like the six we've got on our own podcast, find some more. There's a bunch of them. Be safe. Yeah. Um, it takes into account how much sleep you've been getting and what nutrition you've been, you know, putting into your body. Like if you have had... If you've been out of town and you've oh, been eating travel. out a lot, right? Yes. Like you've been eating out a lot. It's not your normal routine. You don't have your normal meal prep or you've been eating a lot of processed foods for some reason. And that's just not how your body likes to operate optimally. Like your workouts are going to feel harder. Yeah, completely. If if you've got all sorts of other stresses in your life. You know, yes. you mentioned being out of town stress. and traveling. I immediately went to increase levels of stress. Right. You know, and that, that makes a huge difference. Yeah, you're you're exhausted before workouts start. If yeah. you've already been dealing with whatever the emotional stress is in your day between kids and work and, and all sorts of other things going on, mm-hmm. you could be spent and ready for a nap before the yeah. workout even begins. Right. You know, 
a, a level eight on that one is a walk. Like, <laughs> I'm so tired. I just want to lay down. Well, yeah. anything besides laying down is going to be hard all of a sudden. Right. And it's good because then you're understanding that that run, even though it was supposed to be harder, like if you don't hit the paces, it still feels as hard as it should feel, even if you're not hitting the paces. So your body still is getting the benefits. Your body is still definitely getting benefits. Right. And you start really feeling what those different effort levels actually feel like to your body. Instead of saying, okay, I'm supposed to run at exactly 10K pace, so my watch better be hitting these exact splits. Mm -hmm. If you're like, it should feel about like a level 6 out of 10 you kind of get used to what that feels like regardless mm -hmm. of what the watch says. Right. And, and then the more that you combine the effort-based and the, the pace-based types of workouts, you'll even further get to understand what those different paces and what those different effort levels feel like in your body. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, one of the things that you said at the very beginning is effort-based training is a, a key component of, of both our, our, our coaching philosophy, but right. it's not the only component. Mm -hmm. Like there are definitely other workouts where it's like, try to hit these exact paces and those paces, they have a benefit. Right. You know, but those are for more for people that are racing and, and trying to hit certain time goals or that kind of thing. That's one of the other huge benefits of effort-based workouts. Like what if you're just a runner that loves to just go out and run, but you don't like to race? Effort-based is fantastic because we've had questions about this in our tribe before. And, you know, people are like, well, what is a race pace? What is marathon pace? I've never run a marathon before. Like what is half marathon pace? I've never done that before. And so in those people's cases, like those numbers are only somewhat helpful if at all. Yes. You if know, at all. If at all. Like it's much better for them to go by effort-based workouts and say, okay, today, like I want to try to get faster, right? You set your goal. I want to get faster, but, I mean, if you've never raced before, what does that even mean? You know, what is that time? What is that pace? Like, you can kind of keep track of what your paces have been. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you can obviously track if your paces are trending in a faster direction. Um, and the way for you to get faster is by varying those workouts, by varying your effort levels. So instead of always going out and trying to hit a medium pace or an easy pace, like sometimes you throw in a couple minutes of hard running into the workout and then fall back into an easy pace. Like those change of pace workouts, which we've talked about before, are super beneficial for the body, but you don't need a specific time pace per se, you know, in, to hit, you can, you can just increase the effort level. That's why. And, and that's great for casual runners. Yeah. Or, you know, even it's, it's great for racers as well. Oh, absolutely. Especially on, on like the week before or the week after a really hard race. Oh, like one of my first I workouts love back. effort-based running after a race. After a race. <laughs> like, uh, you're going to do two minutes at an up tempo. Yeah. Like how fast should that be? Doesn't matter. Doesn't fast, matter. Faster than your normal pace. <laughs> Just pick it up a little bit. I know. I, there's some mornings where I'm like, oh, thank God for effort-based workouts. That's all I have to say. Because this is the pace that I'm bringing this morning. Right. Like, this is my, my up pace. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what the watch hits because your body is feeling that as whatever intensity level you're aiming for. Right. You know, if, if I was such a stickler to the watch, I, I, I also don't know if I would be getting as much benefit out of some workouts. Mm -hmm. You know, if 
one, a lot of the runs that I do are so dark in the morning and I don't set the like zone on my watch. So it beeps at me if I'm going too fast or mm-hmm. too slow. So if I do like two minute pickups, I just pick it up and go. Right. And if I'm telling myself this has to be exactly at like a 5k effort and at a 5k pace, Sometimes I'm over it. Sometimes I'm under it. It depends on how well lit the road is, how Mm -hmm. dark it is, if I slept the night before. Sometimes I go way too fast and I get a greater strain on myself than I want, but I felt good that day. And so that's a great day that it's an effort based because you're able to push yourself faster than, than you would normally do. Sometimes the watch is, is a constraint because you're almost shackled like, Oh, I don't want to go too fast. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I've definitely felt that way before, especially as a newer kind of runner, a newer racer, still unsure of what my abilities are like those effort bases. Not only can they help you to kind of, if you're having like not a great day, like mm-hmm. they help you. But if what if you're having a really good day and you feel really good? Maybe you're able to hit paces a lot faster than you thought that you were able to hit. But I know that if if there's a workout that you've given me where I'm supposed to hit a certain pace, I will sometimes pull back because I'll think to myself, oh, well, I have, you know, six repeats of this or eight repeats of this. And maybe Kevin gave me this pace for a reason, because if I'm feeling this good now on number one or two, yes. and if I go faster, maybe I'm not going to be feeling this good on reps seven and eight. Yes. May- so. Maybe he's already planned out that yeah. by the time I get to the end of it, mm-hmm. it's going to be exhausting. Right. Whereas so then I'll, a- I'll hold back on some of the earlier ones. And on an effort-based training, right. it doesn't matter if you slow down at the end. So mm-hmm. you're much more comfortable and willing to test those boundaries yeah. because you don't, you know, quote unquote, fail mm-hmm. if if the time gets slower on the last one because mm-hmm. you're not comparing it to a hard and fixed number. Mm-hmm. You're still going hard. Yeah. You might be going substantially slower than you were doing on your first rep, right. but you're still pushing really hard. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a key thing. I mean, you get huge mental benefits out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not worried about the clock, you're just worried about pushing really hard, that's a huge thing. At the mm-hmm. end of at the end of a race, you're less concerned about the clock and more concerned about just still running really hard. Yeah. You know, some people are still racing a clock, but almost anybody, even people that are going for their personal best, just want to make sure in those last few minutes of the race, they're going as hard as they can be mm-hmm. going. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I mean, that was exactly what happened to me at Key West. Yes. You know, like it, 100%. it, I decided to run by feel and run by effort and it just freed me to play and to experiment and to you know, push at that level, regardless of what that pace said that day. Yes. Yeah. You were not concerned at all about the clock. It was just like, well, maybe I've got a great tailwind. Maybe this is my day. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm going to crash and burn, but Mm -hmm. let's see what happens. It opens it up to the experimental Mm -hmm. kind of mind frame. Right. Which is fantastic. So as you can see, there are a lot of benefits to effort-based workouts. And another one, actually, that I just thought of, if you're in a race, say you're in a big race, like the New York Marathon or Chicago, like this is this happened to several of our athletes in Chicago, the, the Chicago Marathon this year, their GPS watch went off the rails, you know, because of all the big <laughs> too buildings. Too many buildings. Right. You know, the there was too many buildings. There were too many people using GPS yes. watches, you know, trying to get the satellite signal. And... Uh, 
I know, you know, one of our, our runners, she was looking at her watch, you know, trying to stay on her pace and, um, and then the, the watch just went wonky on her and it was telling her she was running like a 13 minute pace or a four, you know, and she was not, you yes. know, she didn't just automatically go from a 10 minute to like a 14 minute and not notice that, Yes, you know, so then she didn't know what to do. You know, like, right. and then it's like, okay, well, then you have to fall back into that effort level. Okay, yeah. what does this feel like? You know, go back to those effort-based runs of, of what that training felt like in your body and, and try not to be shackled by that specific time and pace because that is definitely a real thing. I mean, are, are people that are out doing ultras or, you know, these trail runs out in the middle of nowhere where there's probably not very good satellite signals. There's a lot of discrepancies. But even if there's good satellite signals, if if you're doing a crazy ultra through like winding hilly trails, right. you're not hitting any specific pace. True. You know, if this is like a 24 hour race and you're, if like, you're in snow up to your knees, snow up to your knees. Yeah. If you're on a, if you're on a, a mountainous trail in the dark at night and you've got like that spotlight on your head. Yeah. Like that's if you're your, in a Ragnar. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wh- what is your pacing on that one? Yeah. It doesn't matter what your pacing it doesn't is. Matter. It's, it's an effort. You're mm-hmm. pushing on that as fast as you can go, knowing how far you have to race that segment and knowing that you don't want to fall over and trip over that branch because you can't see it coming. Right. Right. So there are a lot of benefits of effort-based workouts and we are big fans of effort-based workouts. Um, however, on the other hand, like we always like to look at multiple sides of the equation. There are a lot of benefits to race paced, um, race and paced workouts, time-based workouts. Yes. There's, there's a reason why I stand at the side of a lot of, of tracks and, and hit a button on my watch because I'm trying to keep track of whether kids are getting faster from one workout to the next. Um, you know, I time out a lot of my own workouts, even the ones that are effort-based. I still like to get an idea of how fast I'm going on this. It just sort of, it gives a clear objective. The, the issue is it doesn't give, um, as exact and precise, uh, a, a, uh, an objective as some people think it does. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Like, there's a lot of, of coaches out there that'll tell you, okay, well, if you can hit this workout in these exact paces, uh-huh. that means that you can race this distance in this exact pace. Yeah. It it does not exactly... It doesn't always translate <laughs> that way. Like, A plus B does not always get you to C. Like, it, yeah. you know, there's, there's a variety of different workouts, but there is certainly a benefit of them. Well, and if that's like the... Um race predictor on the Garmin watch that we've talked about before, you know, based on your VO2 max that they've calculated and this and that, this is what you should be able to run. And it's way better than, you know, my current capable, my current PRs or yeah, I know you, you look at, you look at the race (laughs) predictor and you're like, I could never hit that. I look at the race predictor. I'm like, dang it. I missed it again. (laughs) Cause I'm, I'm fairly close. Are you? I'm fairly close. And I, I think that, uh, but I mean, we, we could go you're, off but on... But you're, you're a much ex- more experienced racer than I am too. And I think that definitely plays a part as also well. Also very true. I think you yeah. could get substantially faster. But you know, we could also go off on how the VO2 max is not... We're not getting Well there. correlated Let's to not, a race predictor. Yep, we're not going there today. Um, I mean, I guess we could though. In a way that does apply to the effort-based workouts, right? Because there are a lot of coaches out there or a lot of workouts out there that are based on VO2 max and having you hit a specific pace based on your VO2 max and, you know, the um, paces that you're able to hit at certain... I mean, it was a massive thing, training push that came right? out of the 70s. Jack yeah. Daniels calculated VO2 max and everything. It right. was one of the early, um, like, sports physiology right. things that could be measured. Right, but like, that's part of the the issue is that there are errors in that 
um, philosophy, I guess. There's errors in the philosophy. There's errors right. in the calculation itself. Right. Of of whether VO two max is even something that you want to improve. Right. You know, because there's been studies that people have improved their VO two max and their performance hasn't improved. Right. Or their performance has improved while their VO two max stayed steady. Mm-hmm. Like they've seen both sides of this mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So then is it actually useful to train at 80% of VO2 max? And is there a substantial training difference between 80% and 75%? Right. Like, really? There's a major difference between that? Right. And And that's another benefit of the effort base is that you don't have to get that precise with it. Right. Because it's it's much more about how do you actually feel on that particular day. And it takes into account things like weather and sleep and nutrition and, Mm -hmm. you know, life. Right. It takes all of that into account, which is super important. You know, the, the times are useful as why I like to do a lot of my time based stuff on a treadmill Mm -hmm. so that I don't have to worry about at least any weather or terrain conditions. Mm -hmm. I still got sleep issues. I still got nutrition issues, but it takes out some of them and kind of evens it. So if I'm really aiming for a specific pace and trying to say like, hold 45 minutes at a certain pace, then you just do it. I I do it on a treadmill. Mm -hmm. I take it all the airs. Okay. Is there anything else you want to say about the benefits of um, race pace workouts right Um, now? Well, there's, there's like mental benefits of this one also. There's mental and physical benefits. You know, in my last like big prep for the half marathon, there's so many different levels that you can race at. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try and fine tune this down and I'm going to race at, or practice at paces for me it was just over five around five thirty, and a little over uh six mm-hmm. and it, like, it was like a slower but good effort pace and then the i started at 545 and worked that down to 530 which was around my goal racing pace and then i had a, race, a level that was faster than that and i don't know what they corresponded to in terms of percentages of anything else or my heart rate at those levels but i thought those numbers were useful and mentally those numbers were useful for me oh, okay. because it was like you told yourself that cuz i cuz i told myself those numbers are yeah. useful and so the then those specific training paces meant something i didn't pull them off of the chart that i have figured out of well if i want to run this exact pace for a 10k then i should run this pace for whatever workout mm-hmm. I thought those numbers would be useful, and so I did a lot of training at those numbers because I told myself they would be useful. Okay. So mentally, I knew that I could hit that 530 pace. I knew that I could hit a 525 for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. and okay. that, that helped. Yeah, and then you understood more what those paces felt like as well. Of course. Yeah. All right, cool. So what are these effort levels? Okay, so let's go over each level and what each level means. So like we said before, we used to be on a scale of one to five. We're now transitioning over to the scale of one to 10 because we just think that it's, it makes more sense doing it this way. Yes. Despite the fact that I think we should clearly transition on the, onto the Borg scale. The Borg of six to 20? Of six to 20. Yeah. Six is the easiest. I never understood <laughs> Max that. out at 20. I mean, this, the Borg scale of perceived exertion is one of the standardized measures that people use in scientific research it's been validated and i just i don't understand why six to twenty i I don't know i still don't get it i have no idea why mr borg please call why six would be the easiest (laughs) i don't even know if borg is still alive there's no way yeah okay so today we're going to be talking about the 10 point scale because that is technically the modified borg scale of rpe which is rating of perceived exertion so if you ever see that out in the literature RPE stands for rating of perceived exertion. So how that 
run feels to you? How hard do you feel like you're pushing yourself? So level one is extremely easy. So this would be someone that would be like, oh, I could run forever at this pace. And for a lot of people, this is walking, you know, like walking, you could go out and you could go out for a walk forever, right? If, if you're at a nice, slow, easy pace. Slow, easy pace. Right. So that's a level one. For other people, this is not a walk. For some people, they could conceive, like for an ultra marathoner, mm. they're, they can go out and run a hundred miles. But then what would a walk be? Lower than a one. Is there such a thing? It's it's got to be because if if you define a level one as a pace that you could go for a long, 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 long time, mm-hmm. if they can run a hundred miles and just keep running for like you know sixteen, seventeen hours, mm-hmm. that seems to be a one. I know, but then what's a walk? I don't. Then it's not on their scale. Well, and like you said too, like if someone is four hundred pounds and has knee problems and that kind of thing, a walk is going to feel a lot harder. Yeah, then, then a walk is not a it's one. It's not a one. I mean, they they don't have a pace that they could go forever. Right. So it, it. I mean, again, proof that it's it's person to person. Yes. Okay. So a level two out of ten is very easy. So someone at this level would be like, I feel like I'm really holding myself back here. Like this feels too easy. And we've had a lot of athletes tell us that before. Well, yes. Like we've given them a pace range for their easy runs, their level two runs. And they're like, I feel like I'm like holding back. And we're like, yes, that's how yes, you should correct. feel. Correct. You've, yes. you've nailed it. Yes. I feel, like, like, I feel like I should be going faster than this. Like, good. Right, correct. <laughs> and you've done it. You've done it. And it's it's really awkward if if you are not used to running at a pace like this especially for people that are not used to the up and down training Mm -hmm. that they generally just go out and run most days easy pace is very foreign Mm -hmm. okay because well and a lot of people feel like their stride is off their cadence is like their running form gets altered it took me a while to actually fix my running form while going slow enough well and you can go too slow yes you know like there are times that when you are running too slow it hurts because you're actually trying to slow yourself down that it does become unnatural well, yeah, because your your natural pace is not a two out of ten. Mm-hmm. Your natural pace is much more in the medium. Right, right. So, um, so yeah, so that's a level two. Level two. Okay. You could go for a long time. I a long time. Not not technically forever, but you're going to last for a long time. Mm-hmm. I I think most people are up at a, a a very very easy jog at this point. Right. So I mean, this could be some people's marathon. Like if you're running a a marathon in five or six hours, I mean, yes. you, you that's a long time running at this pace. Like yes. if you can maintain this pace for that amount of time, that's you know not necessarily. But see, that's a, that's a thing though. Is like that's where it gets tricky. Like if you're running for six hours, it's not going to feel very easy. Like not by, by the, the end, end of it, yeah, by the end, you're just going to feel hard as heck. No, but it's just it's, to keep going. That pace yeah. is what, what's, what started as really easy. And this yeah. is why the whole concept is, is very tricky to say, mm-hmm. what is that pace? Because marathon pace. Because it changes as you run. Yeah. Marathon pace for the first three miles feels van freaking tastic. Right. But better because you have to do 26 like that. Yeah. Like I know the first few miles, they feel amazing, which is why most people tend to take out a marathon way too fast. Yeah. You know, you've, you've tapered, you've slept appropriately, you're all carb loaded and just <laughs> flying and suddenly they shoot off a gun and people take off because they feel so good and those first few miles should feel like you are substantially holding back right right okay so moving on a level three is an easy pace you're still holding back just not as much you feel like you're holding back just a little yeah 
you you can you can run you can run for a long time at this pace but it's not quite what you would just casually slide into mm-hmm. like if i just said hey go for a run don't worry about how hard how fast how anything just go for a run it's faster than this pace yeah this pace you have to consciously think all right i'm gonna slow down a little bit yeah the 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 level four is that comfortable pace that you just mentioned so level four out of ten is that comfortable pace that you just naturally fall into like okay this pace feels totally natural i'm not holding myself back i'm not pushing myself i just feel really good and comfortable at this pace you can maintain a conversation easily at this it's, pace. it's still a conversation right and is that is that the difference between four and five? Um, is five you kind of lose five is loop? fairly comfortable, so you feel like you're pushing yourself ever so slightly. Okay, so so you could probably still maintain a conversation. You at, maintain at a five. conversation, but if if your run starts getting a little bit longer, those conversation is going to get a little bit um, shorter sentences as mm-hmm. you move along. You probably can't sing at a level five anymore. Okay, yeah, probably not. Or you would sound like you know you singing. Hey, I have an amazing voice, <laughs> but I probably could not hold my notes as long as I would want to at a level five. Yes. And when uh, when we first started the, the uh, track season, I have the kids all run two laps together at the start of it. Mm-hmm. And I had these two freshman boys that I'm like, all right, whole team all together. Let's go off and have two nice, relaxing warm up laps. And these guys took off like I was timing them. Oh, I mean, they were booking it and they came through the first one and they're both like, <laughs> I'm like, can you talk? They're like, no, no. Are we going fast enough? I'm like, you are going so much faster than you need to be going. I'm like, if you can't sing to each other, not talk to each other, but actually sing to each other, you need to slow it down. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they both pulled it back. They're like, and they came around on the second lap, like hands on their knees, just panting. And they're like, sorry, coach. We'll try it again tomorrow. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll work we'll on work it. We'll work on this. We'll work on this. So this is interesting, though, because, um, you know, level six out of ten is slightly hard, right? Okay. So in in Matt Fitzgerald's book, when he talks about this in the 80-20, he actually breaks it down into less fit runners and fitter runners So at this level. So, Which I think is fantastic. Right. So Because it, it clears up some of the argument that the two of us have had over what this level actually means. Right. And that's and this is basically what we've discussed and debated before. So in, in here he says, less fit runners say, I, I feel like I can keep up this pace for 20 to 30 minutes. And fitter runners, I feel like I can, I can keep up this pace for 50 to 60 minutes. Okay. So that's more of like... Well, in fitter runners, more of like the 10K pace or like that hour, that pace that you can sustain for about an hour which that we've is, talked about before. Yeah, which is the classic tempo pace. It's right. something you can sustain for an hour. Mm-hmm. But the but, difference between a fit and a less fit athlete. <laughs> well, and like you and I were talking, like the difference between you and me. Like I run my 10K in around an hour. It's, it's less than an hour now. But you're like running your half marathon in just over an hour. So right. Our, our 10K and half marathon, is... if I can get my half marathon where I want it, we're, well, shoot, you got your your 10K faster now. I keep getting faster. I know. You keep getting faster. <laughs> and I have not PR'd in a while. So, but like we used to be, before you dropped another 10K PR, we used to be within like 15 minutes of each other, mm-hmm. um, which is is both relatively close to an hour. Mm-hmm. So 
do you call it 10K pace or do you say it's the pace you can sustain for an hour? Right. And then if you're the type of runner that's never run more than 20 or 30 minutes, mm-hmm. what the heck is a pace that you can sustain for an hour? Right. Like that's... Right. that's if, a, you, if, if the longest you've ever run is 30 minutes, you don't know what you can do for an hour. Right. Like so you're probably thinking, I can't run for an hour. I can't run for an hour. Right. I would have to walk most of it if mm-hmm. you said I needed to run for an hour. Yeah. So part of the dis- the difference between this and, I mean, I've read this book repeatedly that uh when he says fitter runners these are runners who can be out there running for Mm -hmm. multiple hours Mm -hmm. so when you say the pace that you can sustain for an hour they're like okay so i'm going to push that right whereas you know like you can go out and run for two hours on a saturday long run right yeah whereas you know some of the high school kids we have on the team if i say go for an hour they're like okay that's as far as i could ever possibly go and they're Mm going to get in like four yeah during that time yeah so, right. you know, it's it's a big difference. Right. Okay, so that's a level 6 out of 10. Level 7 out of 10 is somewhat hard. Okay, so Matt Fitzgerald tell, says that less fit runners say, I feel like I'm going to blow up in 10 to 15 minutes. Okay. Fitter runners, I feel like I'm going to blow up in 15 to 20 minutes. So this is 5K, 5K or slightly faster than 5K. Depending on who you are. Yeah. It's it's 5K or two mile, possibly like a little like over a mile. for fitter runners though. Right. But for less fit runners, it's more of like a mile. Right. This is why I, anytime you asked me when we were dealing with the one to five scale, you said, what's a 5K? And I said, mm-hmm. it's a three and a half. Yeah. Nailed it. Cause he calls it a seven. Okay. Oh, (laughs) right. So that's the pace. It's, Mm -hmm. and in my head, that's what it always is. But if... So a 7 out of 10 is a 5K in your head. In my head. Yeah. Which which makes sense. But if you are not as fit, Mm -hmm. then your 7 out of 10 is probably more like what you could race over like 2 miles. Mm -hmm. Okay. Rather than 3. Sure. All right. So level 8 out of 10 is hard. So in here he says, I feel like I can keep up this pace for a mile or so, no more. Yes. Right? So, I mean, and we would agree with that. A mile pace should be like an 8 out of 10. That seems about right. Right. Because then you you still give yourself room to accelerate from that. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's right, because definitely you can levels still do, faster than that. Right. You can still do a half a mile faster than that. You can do a quarter mile faster than that. There are paces that are faster. And this is where the nuance comes in as well. This is why it, once you start getting to these faster paces, like from 7 through 10... I would still put halves in, yeah, you know, because there's a 5k pace. But if you're really training for like the one mile, there's a difference between when you would train at a 5k pace mm-hmm. and when you would train at what I would call a 3k pace or a two mile pace. And right. that difference is subtle, but right. it, it matters. It's it, well, and it's a lot more important for, like you said, more experienced runners that more are trying runners. to hit very specific times who have a very small window of variability as well. Yes. That's a good one too. Cause, cause like, you know, you are like, you can notice a really big difference in five seconds, five to 10 seconds of pacing. Like for you, like a five twenty, you notice a huge difference between five twenty and five thirty. Oh, massive. Right. (laughs) That's that's a complete different ball game. Yeah. Where like me, if I like the difference between like 10 and nine fifty is not as big of a difference as like you. But what's the difference between a 530 and a 520 for you? A 530 and a 520. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're so cute. <laughs> I love that you have dimples. So, I mean, that's like my 200 meter pace, you know? So that's like, that's what I can hold for like, what, 45 seconds? 
All right, so we haven't made it to that level yet. Yeah, so, okay, so that's like a level, so level 8 out of 10 is like how fast you could run a mile. Right. Which is funny because like, I mean, at the, I mean, I guess that's true because, but the the thing is at the end, though, like at, at the, the end of that end, mile, like yes. you're feeling like you're at a 9 or so, at least. Like, I mean, I that's, when you're doing like a time trial like that, like no, you're the, feeling like I mean, the pushing. fastest, fastest mile I ever ran I'm pretty sure I laid on the ground for a while afterwards. Right. And, you know, my coach, this was still, I was in high school and my coach came over and he was still of the mindset that laying on the ground, you're going to, you know, cramp up and the lactic acid's going to build up in your legs. But this I mean, was a while like, ago. Yeah, go ahead. But he, he came over and saw me laying on the ground. He didn't even try and get me up. Yeah. He was like, good work, Brown. Yeah. <laughs> but then, I mean, at the end of a 5K too, like if you're really pushing on a 5K, like that's not like a 7 out of 10 anymore because 7 out of 10 then to me like says like, oh, I've got three more levels that I could hit. But you don't feel like you can hit three more levels at the end of that if you're really pushing yourself. Well, it depends on if you threw a kick at the end of the 5K. Okay, then you have one more level. Like, I mean, if if I'm, if I run a 5K and I don't kick at the finish, I just maintain that entire pace, I'm still doing okay as I cross the finish line. Mm -hmm. If I try and actually pick it up and push that Mm -hmm. final quarter mile, then I'm spent. Yeah. Like exactly. there's, there's a big difference of whether you sustain that pace or, or you kind of go all out to the end of it. Right. Right. So, you know, like we said, there's some variability. So in, in this book, um, rating nine out of 10 is very hard, Very hard. where this pace, you can only keep up for like a couple of minutes, maybe yes. like three at the most, right? Like three minutes. So that's, so that's like an 800 for some people. Yes. You know, a half a mile for some people. Maybe that's a quarter mile for some people. Yeah, it's it's two to three minutes. It's You could go faster than this if you needed to, but you, you wouldn't want to. And yeah. you certainly wouldn't want to do it for a very long period of time. But you you do have another level. It's, yeah, I mean, the, the book puts it as a couple minutes, maybe three if I really needed to. Mm-hmm. Okay. It, it's good. There's certainly benefits for this one. I think that most uh, most of the times when you're working on strides, unless you are planning on racing things like a one mile, strides should be done somewhere in that um, eight to nine range. I didn't think they were supposed to be that high. Depends on it, what it is that you're aiming for. It depends on what you're trying to get as the benefit out of the strides. Sometimes I max my strides out at like a 5k effort. Sometimes I, I haven't hit that sort of like higher end speed in a long time and I try to use strides as simply my chance to touch into high-end speed yeah you know when i prescribe them to other people usually i would suggest that you're kind of coming in at around 5k pace Mm -hmm. if you're racing for a 5k like if you're really just honing in and trying to get your fastest 5k strides should be more like mile or faster pace Mm -hmm. so that you're getting a chance to touch into that much higher end speed okay and then finally, 10 out of 10, which is like you're extremely hard. You can hold this pace for a very short amount of time, like 30 seconds to a minute at the most. Right, which is why I argue that there's another level. Like the 10 second level? What well, the level of, All of out. sheer panic. Right. Like if if I said, how fa- like go as fast as you can go right now. Mm-hmm. I said, no, you have to go as fast as you can possibly go. Yeah. Like there's a level that you would do. Right. And then if a wild bear jumped through the door, there's a new level that you can go. <laughs> but you could only sustain that level for about 10 to 15 seconds. Right. But it's a level 11. Yeah. Like there is another <gasps> level. This one, this goes, one goes to, to 11. 11. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but... 
and you you argue with this one on, <laughs> on me of like, well, is is a ten a one hundred percent all out sprint? Right. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you could probably push it. Mm. You know, I I just had a workout with my sprinters yesterday, and I, they were only doing eighty meters. Mm-hmm. That's less than a hundred. They're hitting this thing in around, depending on the kid, around ten seconds. Mm-hmm. You can go all out. I mean, 100% all out. And I told them, go all out because they were getting like full recovery, like walk down to the gym and go get some water and come back. It was like eight minutes of recovery between a 10 second burst of energy. And I told them that they were going to do four of them. And with only four of them and all this break, I'm like, all together, it's less than a lap of the track and you get a substantial amount of break. And after two, these kids are breathing really hard. And I'm looking at them. Like, I watched them run the first two. And I'm like, they're still holding back. Mm -hmm. And so I came down. And before I I let the whole group go on their third one, I came down. And I'm like, okay, run this one as though it's your last one. You might have a fourth. You might not. And I'm not even sure if I'm going to give you a fourth if you go too slow or if you go too fast. Run this one as though it is your last Mm -hmm. one. And some of the kids had already tuned into, look, coach told me to go all out, so I'm going all out. And they hit their third one within like a couple of tenths of a second of their first two. Mm -hmm. They were tired. Like there were kids that ran the third one slower because they were getting spent. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of other kids that ran it two, three seconds faster. Oh, yeah. that's They clearly weren't going all out. 80 meters. Like it was only, like they ran their first ones in like 13 seconds and suddenly it was in 10 seconds. Yeah. They weren't, there was a whole multiple extra levels for them to be hitting in. So there's all out and then there's all out. Yeah. And there's a difference between these. 10 plus. Or 11. (laughs) Yes. Or 11. If if you know what reference we're talking to, I think you should win a prize of some sort. Maybe we should figure that out. Perfect. (laughs) So if you know the reference we're talking about, when we talk... This one goes to 11. Then please email us and we'll figure out something fun to get you. All right. So maybe we'll send you a Real Life Runner's Magnet. Perfect. And sticker. Okay. So anyway. Um, okay. So those are the 10 effort levels explained from the scale of one to 10. So hopefully that makes a lot more sense to you now. Hopefully you kind of have an idea of where you should be when it comes to the different workouts that, you know, you're trying to hit. And, you know, like we say that like different workouts, but I mean, you might not be hitting specific workouts, but at least you'll have a better idea of how hard you should be pushing yourself, what it should start to feel like. Yeah. And the more in tune with your body you can get, the better runner you're going to be. Mm -hmm. Like whatever your goal is, the more in tune with your body you are, the the healthier you're going to be. You're going to notice things of, oh, I, I was trying to go at this level and suddenly this starts hurting on me. Like you just, you notice things the more you tune into your body. Right. And I mean, if you're a newer runner, you might have fewer levels. Like it, definitely, you know, and if you're a very seasoned, experienced runner, you might have more more levels you might still have those little halves like we were talking about in then especially you, then in the you higher have levels. to take it to six to 20 then yeah. it's required yeah <laughs> <laughs> we'll put you on the crazy scale but you know when it it just it all depends you know and fewer levels like you still might not understand the difference between a two and three that's okay you know like just go easy you know like you can you can break it down to Easy, medium, and hard. You can break it down to one to five. You could break it down to to one to ten. One to three. Yeah. Like a lot of very new runners have what feels very easy, 
what feels like basically a sprint mm. and something in the middle. Right. And that's that's what they've got. And, well, the, and that's the kind of why I said that, you know, the scale of one to ten, sorry for interrupting you, um, the scale of one to ten, sometimes I'll group them, you know, from like yes. zero to three, four to six, and seven to ten. Like if people have a hard time distinguishing the, the nuances of each of the ten levels, then you can make it a smaller thing if that's a little bit easier for you to understand. Yeah. And the, the effort levels work really nice if you don't race very often because your effort is, is going to kind of affect your pace. Whereas if you never race and it says, okay, this should be at your 5k race pace. You're like, okay, well I did one three years ago. So this must be my 5k race pace. Right. It's not like it could be a completely different number at this point, but how hard it feels, you kind of start tuning into what that means. Right. And everyone can benefit from the, like running at all of these levels, just based on different dosages of each level, based on what kind of goal you're trying to hit. Yeah. I mean, if you're just going for overall health, you want a good scattering of all of them. Well, even if you're trying to hit a specific goal, you want a good scattering. You might just spend a little bit more time on one end versus the other. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then depending on what kind of race you're shooting for a specific time, depends on which, you know, which end of the scale? Which end you... of the scale you go to? Yeah. Plus your experience at which end of the scale? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you spend most of your time on easy, and regardless of whether you're training for a marathon or like a one mile race, if you do almost all of your running on easy, and suddenly you throw in a, a just a sprinkling of nine and ten, mm-hmm. huge breakthroughs. That's true because you've never spent any time there. Well, and then you're building, you know, your type two fast switch muscle fibers, and that's just going to open up all new systems for your body to use. And yeah, as soon as you hit into any new level that you have not spent much time or any time at, you're going to see these huge changes. And it's not necessarily that that pace is going to be this this new thing, so you should spend all of your time there. Yes. It's just that you're in a new thing, mm-hmm. and so you're getting the payoff of that. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you're hitting all of the benefits so that you kind of keep moving up and, and you, you gain very long-term, continuous, steady growth. Yes, long-term, continuous, steady growth. There you go. And listen to your body, right? I mean, that's really what effort-based training is all about, is learning to tap in and listen to your body. And... Try some runs without your headphones too. I mean, you know, or <laughs> yes, just actually put us tune on into pause, your body. You know, so if if you're out on a run now, listening to us, just put us on pause for like two minutes and just listen to what your body's feeling right now. You know, like, and then you can resume. There you go. (laughs) You can resume listening to us. We made this one a little bit longer because we we did have some recent requests for some longer episodes. So hopefully this uh, helped those of you out on your longer runs. And we obviously have a lot to say about effort-based training. And this isn't all of it. It fires both of us up though. Yeah, I mean, it's good stuff. So um, for a list of these effort-based levels, we will put those in our show notes as well. So if you are out on your run and you're like, okay, what was that? What was the level six again? What was level four again? Just head over to the website, realliferunners.com and click on podcast, or you can go to realliferunnerspodcast.com. We have both of those. And it, you know, we'll have all of the information in the show notes there, as well as the references to our previous shows about effort-based training and links to the book that we're talking about and, uh, you know, a bunch of different resources for you guys on the website. Sounds great. Good show all notes. Right. Awesome. So that's about it for today. I Anything else? It. Anything you want to summarize? 
We're good. Uh, we've wrapped this guy listen up. Listen to your body. Yeah, li- really, <laughs> listen to your body. All right, guys, let's wrap it up again. And thank you, as always, thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>